The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. Jesus is transfigured. His clothes are transfigured. Moses is transfigured. Elijah is transfigured. But Peter is not transfigured. That means in the church, you can be at the place of transfiguration, a place of transformation, and still remain the same. Everything around Jesus is transformed. But Peter is the same. He is in the flesh. He's thinking about tabernacling here. Instead of affecting the world, he's thinking about, oh, we just want to be in the church. Oh, what a powerful service today. What a powerful series, Pastor Sitchin. What a revelatory or a revolutionary, oh, full of revel. No, no, that's not what we're here for. Revelation must bring transformation. Are you ready for the word? Yes. All right, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13 to 16. Matthew, for information, is in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13 to 16. I read, the Bible says, oh, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, it says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it give a light unto all that are in the house. Last verse, verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I'm continuing with my series that I have titled Influence. And this is part three. Influence. And this is part three. This is our year of influence. And as a church, we run according to our calling. We don't just run because everyone is running. In other words, we don't do what everyone is doing. Every church has been called specifically for a specific vision. And it's important for us to run within the lane that has been assigned to us. So for us as a church, this is our year of influence. And as our year of influence, it's important for, for me to teach you how to become an influential person. So Jesus taught us by saying that we are the salt of the earth. Jesus said we are. Not we are going to be. 
we are. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And as salt, we have been called to preserve the nations that God has positioned or placed us in. As salt, we have been called and we have been positioned to preserve the nation that we have been positioned in. So it's very important for us to understand what we have been called for. As salt, you are a preserver. As salt, you have been called to do what? To preserve. Wherever you are, you have to be conscious of this fact. And not only that, Jesus said you are the light of the world. As light, I believe with all my heart that we can transform this nation. Say amen to that. I believe that we can transform this nation. You say, how, Pastor? Because, listen, Jesus only had 12 disciples, whom the Bible says turned the world upside down. We are more than 12 in this church. And we are also followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. So, therefore, it is possible that we can transform and turn this nation around. Hallelujah. Say a good amen to that. Amen. So Jesus said, let your light so therefore shine that men will see it. When men see your light, they'll glorify your father that is in heaven. To be, to be influential, you must, number one, start from where you are. Amen. Write it down. Number one, you have to start from where you are. Many people want to be influential and they always think about the big picture. But to be influential, you have to start from where you are. Number two, to be influential, you must brighten your little corner before the bigger corner. Brighten the little corner where you are. Start influencing people little by little in your little tiny corner. To be influential, you must make, number three, make small adjustments to your immediate surroundings. Make small adjustments. Start small. I know people who want to do big things, but they don't want to start small. Yes, you want to be a big man, but you have to start small. Amen? Amen. You want to be a big woman, you have to start small. You want to start a big business, you have to start how? Small. Start small. Start little. God told the children of Israel, he said, I'm taking you into the promised land, but I'll not take you there in a year. But I'll take you how? Little by little. The reason is, it says, so that the beast of the field will not multiply against you. Start how? Start small. Make small adjustments. Number four, be determined to influence someone positively each week, each month, or each year. Be determined to influence someone positively, let's put it this way, each day, each week, or each month. Start little. Hallelujah. 
That's why Jesus said in John chapter 9 verse 5, Jesus said, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. And that can be translated to you as well. That must be your statement. As long as I am in this world. Which world? Your world. Your small world. Your house. Your neighborhood. Your community. Your workplace. In your family. Be the light. Being the light means be an example. Let people look up to you. Do the right things. Doing the right thing is not easy. But it will always have a lasting impact on somebody's life. Hallelujah. Say say a good amen. Amen. To be influential, everything you say and do must be intentional and purposeful. To be influential, everything you do or everything you say must be intentional and purposeful. You can't just do things anyhow. You can't just open your mouth and talk anyhow. Whatever you're saying has to be intentional. Whatever you're doing must be purpose-driven. That's why Jesus said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, Jesus said, little children... Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Say amen to that. We are living in a generation where people will tell you it doesn't matter what you do. We are under grace. So you can do anything at all. It's a lie. It's a big lie. Jesus said, my little children, let no one deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. (laughs) He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, look at Jesus' purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. Do you know your purpose? What's your purpose here on earth? What are you here for? You are here for a particular purpose. Don't just live life anyhow. The Bible says, for this purpose... The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What's your purpose? We must be able to say about you, for this purpose, you were born to bring hope to the hopeless. What is your purpose? For this purpose. For this purpose, this vision of this commission was birthed. To do something specific. To raise leaders and to reshape nations for this purpose. That's why everything we do is intentional. 
So let me give you an assignment. Write in your notebook, what is my purpose here on earth? Question. That's your question for you to go and deliberate on. What is my purpose here on earth? What was I born for? Why am I here? You see, many of us think that we are we are here by accident, but we are not here by accident. Where you are working, why are you there? It's for a purpose. One of our members testified the other time that while she was working, there was a man that she keeps telling, talking to him about Jesus. But this man never, never wants to hear anything. But on the day she was on a shift, that was the day the man was about to die. And she said, you're about to die now. You better receive Jesus before you go. And finally he agreed. She led him to Christ and he died immediately after that. What's your purpose? At your workplace, do you know why you are there? You're not there just for, to make money. Esther was placed in the palace for a purpose. Amen, amen, amen. But you see, most of the time we forget the reason why we have been placed somewhere. Amen. Esther was, became a queen for a purpose. She thought, ah, now I'm the queen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show forth, you know, everything. But the uncle came to her and said, listen, we are about to be annihilated. We are about to be destroyed. You have come into this kingdom for such a time as this. And to save your people. Sadly, many, many times when people are lifted up for their purpose, they forget the very purpose for which they were lifted up by God. She forgot. But thank God she came back to her senses and stood for her purpose. You are in the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. For a purpose. Amen. You're not even, even in this church, you are here for a purpose. Yes. Amen. Do you know your purpose? If you don't know your purpose in this church, everything we do here, you see a fault with it. And for your information, we are not perfect. The day you see a perfect church, please don't join it. Because if you join it, because you are an imperfect person, that perfect church will become an imperfect church. Praise God. So it's time for us to be intentional and to be purposeful. Write this down. The, right, the rightful place for the church is to influence the nations by leading the way. The rightful place for the church is to influence the nations by leading the way. Micah chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Micah chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the building. How many of you know that? You are the church. You know that, right? Yes. You and I are the church. Amen. That's why Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, 
there's a quorum for a church. Do you get this? It's very important. So Jesus is teaching us that the church is not the building, but you are the church. You and I, we are the church. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when Jesus is talking about building the church, he's talking about you and I, not the building. Because it is us that congregate here that makes the church. So the rightful place for the church is to influence the nations by leading the way. Micah chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. The Bible says that but in the last days, how many of you believe that we are in the last days? It says but in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established where? Shall be established where? Shall be established where? On top of the mountain. That represents influence. Remember Jesus said, let your light so shine. You are like a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You remember that? So the Bible is telling us that in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. And many believe that there are seven mountains. The media mountain, the family mountain, the the, um, education mountain, the family mountain, and so on and so forth. We don't want to go into that now. I I was studying yesterday and something very struck me in the book of Revelation. I was shocked. Sometimes you think you know the word, but the Holy Spirit keeps revealing things to you. I was shocked. I said, wow, there are things hidden in the word. That's why we have to be students of the word. So it says, it shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills. And the people, other translation says, all the people shall flow into it, or all the nations shall flow into it. Say amen to that. Verse 2, it says, and many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we'll walk in his path, for the the Lord shall go forth out of Zion, and, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Amen. That's where we are supposed to be. On top of the mountains. Leading the way. As a leading the way. Amen. When the world is looking for solutions. They must come to the church. Amen. They must come to Joseph. Because Egypt. The world doesn't know how to run the economies of the nations. And the time is coming where the church of Jesus Christ will be positioned back where it used to be. Hallelujah. So quickly, there are six things the church must do to remain relevant in this 21st century and beyond. If we are going to remain relevant, these are six key things we must do if we are going to be relevant. Remember Jesus said, In in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, 
Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Right? But he said, if the salt have lost his savor, the word lost its savor there means lost its relevance. That means when we lose our relevance, guess where we will be positioned? Under the foot of men. That means if the church loses its relevance, we will not be influential in the land. The reason why many youth or many young people don't go to other churches, many other churches, is because the church is not relevant to them. If you look in this church, there are more young people than old people. That should tell you the future of this church. There are more young people, there are more youth than old people. Because what we teach here is relevant to them. Say amen to them. So six things. Number one, the church must be a mind renewal center. Notice I didn't say the church must become, but the church must be. Number one, a mind renewal center. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. The Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world. You can't transform this world if you are conformed to it. Light begets light. Darkness begets darkness. You can't be darkness and want to transform darkness. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? So if you want to transform this world, then you have to renew your mind. Remember I said to renew our mind simply means to take on the mind of Christ or the mind of God, and replacing it with our mind. I call it the mind transplant. You must have a mind transplant. That means you must think differently. The way you used to think before you came to the church, by the time you leave the church, your thinking must change. Say amen to that. Amen. So the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind is not renewed, you cannot experience the newness of God. Write that down. If your mind is not renewed, you cannot experience the newness of God. The great things in God. The miracles in God. Because you see, you use your old mind to limit the new things that God is doing. That's why Jesus said, don't put new wine in old wine skin. Why? Because the new wine or the old wine skin cannot contain or handle the strength of the new wine. You are a new person. You are a new creature. All things have passed away. The Bible says that behold, all things have become how? New. 
Say with me, I am a new creature. Or say like you mean it. Say, I am a new creature. Therefore, I have been commissioned and mandated to transform this world. Do you believe it? Give Jesus some praise for that. Oh, I said give Jesus some praise. Philemon chapter 1 verse 14. It says, but without your mind, without your mind, I cannot do nothing. Amen. But without your mind. Mm. That means God can't do anything without your mind. Athletes cannot win race without their mind. As a matter of fact, your life is based on how you think. Remember last week, the children of Israel saw themselves as what? Grasshoppers. (laughs) They saw themselves as what? So without your mind, God can do nothing. That means your mind is the entry point for God to do the unusual in your life. If your mind is closed, God will be closed in your life. That's why it's time to open up your mind. Renew your mind. Stop thinking the old ways. You know, some people limit themselves just by the way they think. When when we're coming to start the church here, we had a very good friend who was a Methodist um, uh, Methodist preacher. Yeah. He said, ah, why are you starting the church here? The church cannot grow. Be- because look around you, there are so many churches. That's what he believed in his mind. He said the church can never grow. But right from here, we build branches. The church, as a matter of fact, grew from here. (laughs) You see, I never allowed his mind to limit my mind. Because I have the mind of Christ. At your workplace, there will be strongholds there. People will tell you, hey, you've come here, this place, nobody excels, nobody gets promoted. That's their mind. But you must have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do what? I can do what? Is it some things? Is it some things? Is it a few things? How many things? You are a can-do spirit man. When we're going to get married, my wife said, you know, do you know I might not be able to give you children? I said, wow. I had this revelation that in the book of Romans chapter 4, the Bible says, Abraham, Romans chapter 4, from verse 17. Let's start from verse 16. I want to show you something today. Today your life will never be the same. Amen. The Bible says, says, therefore, it is of faith 
that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Do you know that at this point Abraham had nothing? He didn't have a child. But God said, I'm talking about your future. God said, it is already written. This is what I have written about you. About your future. You see, if any time you are confused, just go and look for what is written about you. Not what the doctor has written. Not what any man has written. Not what any pastor has cursed you. But what God has written about you. It says, as it is written, I, God, the almighty God, the one in whom there is no difficulty, I have made thee a father of many nations. How many nations? How many nations? Many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and calleth those things which were not as though they were. Next verse, verse 18, and this is key. It says, who against hope believed in hope that it might become, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, do you know why he did not consider his womb, his body's dead? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, the word of God, for the word of God is what? Quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and the designer of thoughts and intents of the heart. So now, when the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, other translation says the word of God is quick and living. It's not dead. The word is what? Living. So the moment my wife said, I might not be able to give you children, I knew that the, the word is living. And because the word is living, when the living word comes into contact with anything that is dead, that dead thing must come back to life. Say a good amen to that. So, by the time we came down from the honeymoon, we came with a present. Glory be to God. And and for us, it was a one-day honeymoon. One day, one day, just one day. You don't need two days. You just need one day. Are you ready for the miracles? I said, are you ready for the miracles? Because the word of God is what? Living. 
Say a good amen. amen. Number two, the church must be a center for love revolution. Hallelujah. Amen. The church must be what? A center for love revolution. First John chapter 4, verse 7. And I read, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. <laughs> so if you don't love, that means you don't know God. You can shout, you can pray. If you don't love, you don't know God. Verse 9. It says, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Say amen. Amen. Did they say you have to love the one that came from your mother and your father? No. We ought to love what? One, one another. Yeah. So that means in this commission where there are over 75 nationalities represented, we love how? One, one another. Somebody is from China, we love how? One, one another. another. Somebody is from India, we love how? One Somebody another. is from Nigeria, we love how? One Somebody is from Zimbabwe, we love how? From Kenya, we love how? From Tanzania, we love how? From Jamaica, we love how? From Uganda, we love how? From South Africa, we love how? Everywhere, name, name, name. Very important. Very, very important. Verse 12. It said, no one has seen God at any time. So all those preachers who you hear, they say, I saw God. They're all liars. Those false prophets who tell you, I saw God. The Bible says no one. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I won't go there. It says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. Let's jump to verse 16. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we where as he is, so are we where? In this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Is that true? Yes. But perfect love casts out what? Fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone, this is key, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? He is a what? A liar. So if you claim you love God 
and you hate me, you are a what? I didn't say it. Who said it? For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? Is that true? Last verse. Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So that means the church must be a love revolution center. If people are looking for love, they must come to this church. We must love people unconditionally. That's why I always say that before you came to this church, I forgave you. If you offend me, I've already forgiven you before you came to this church. Amen? Amen. So we must demonstrate, demonstrate the love of God to people. We are living in a very cruel world. People are looking for love in all the wrong places. Let's show ourselves love. Let's show the world love. They need it. It's a pastor, but what if they keep taking my love for granted? Remember, you have taken Jesus' love for granted many times. We have crucified Jesus on the cross many times. <laughs> and most of the time, we judge people by their actions and we judge ourselves based on our motives. That's deep. We judge people based on actions and we judge ourselves based on our motives. But guess what? You are worse than those you are judging. Let's show the world love. The world needs some love. Husbands and wives, show each other love. Don't have a, a board in your secret room somewhere. When your husband makes a mistake, you go and take. Stand one today. Your wife does something wrong, you go and take. Tick, tick, she's done two today. That's wickedness. The Bible says that God has nailed all your sins to the cross. So why are you marking your husband or your wives something little they did against you? Say, as for this one, I will never, 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 never forgive him. We must be a church, a husband and a wife that loves. Love how? Unconditionally. Number three, the church, church must be a reformation center. The church must be a reformation center. Acts chapter 17, verse 6. Acts chapter 17, verse 6. It says, and when they found them, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come here also. That should be our story. When they look at us, they say, look at them. These are the world changers. When they, uh, my, my heart desire is that every single person that walks into this house, their life will never be the same Amen. again. Amen. That's my prayer. 
That every time you walk into this house, by the time you leave, the word would have made an impact on your life. I believe without any shadow of doubt that the church must become a place of reformation. Martin Luther King nailed 95 theses to the doors of the church to bring about reformation. We must be hungry to bring about reformation in the world, in our society, in our communities, a place of reform, a place where lives are reformed. Trash is turned into treasure. Mm, amen. A place where nobodies are turned into somebodies. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The time is coming when the police arrest thieves and judges sentence them to prison. They will not be taken to prison. They will be brought to this church. Amen. Say amen. Amen. They will not be sent into prison. They will be brought into this church. Why? Because just one service, two services will reform them completely. I'm telling you, we are here to empty the prisons. That's what the church is here for. I don't know what you are here for. Maybe you are thinking about your two by four bread to eat tomorrow. But we are here for generations. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And by the time those thieves or those criminals are sent into the church, by the time they leave, they'll be totally reformed. Number four, the church must be a transformational center. Say amen. Amen. Are you getting something out of this? We have been called to influence. Mark chapter 9 from verse 2. To 8, Mark chapter 9, from verse 2 to 8. I read, it says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. I want you to take note of that. He was done what? Transfigured before them. In other words, he was transformed Right before them. And look at what happened to the transfiguration. The Bible says that his clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow as no launderer on earth can whiten them. So I want you to have this picture in your mind. Jesus was transfigured. Everything he was wearing was also transfigured. Very important. But he went with three people. Peter, James, and John. So they were seeing what was happening. Observe this. Very important. So when the transfiguration happened, Jesus was transfigured. Everything he was wearing also transfigured. Then the next thing, verse 4, the Bible says that and Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said, now there is a heavenly moment going on and Peter, not being in the spirit but in carnality, 
is interrupting a heavenly discussion going on. There is no thin line between spirituality and carnality. You cannot be in the middle. You can't say, oh, I'm, I'm not spiritual, I'm not carnal, I'm just in the middle. It's not true. You are either in carnality or you are spiritual. So there is a moment of spiritual visitation going on and Peter, the talkative, started talking. The Bible says that Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, I want you to take note of what was happening. Jesus is transfigured. His clothes are transfigured. Moses is transfigured. Elijah is transfigured. But Peter is not transfigured. That means in the church, you can be at the place of transfiguration, a place of transformation, and still remain the same. Everything around Jesus is transformed. But Peter is the same. He is in the flesh. He's thinking about tabernacling here. Instead of affecting the world, he's thinking about, oh, we just want to be in the church. Oh, what a powerful service today. What a powerful series, Pastor Sitchin. What a revelatory or a revolutionary, oh, full of revel. No, no, that's not what we are here for. Revelation must bring transformation. Look at verse 6. The Bible says that because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid, and a cloud came and overshadowed them. Listen. And the voice came from out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear he him. Suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no more anymore anyone but only Jesus with themselves sadly even when Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit we saw a change Peter James and John were overshadowed but we didn't see no change if you don't renew your mind in the church you will not change the church is a place for transformation. But you must experience that transformation first before it gets to the world. The only way the world is going to follow you to the house of God is when they see the transformation in your life. When they see the testimonies. When they see God in you. When they see the love of Christ in you. They'll say, I want to go where you're going. Jesus was transformed. He was transfigured. His clothes were transfigured. Moses was transfigured. Elijah was transfigured. Peter, James, and John remain the same. Can I say this? I say this with all boldness and authority. If you are not transformed in this church, 
by the word of Jesus Christ, by the word of God, there is nowhere else you'll be transformed. Judas left Jesus not because Jesus was a bad leader. Judas left the church of Jesus not because Jesus was a bad pastor. Because Judas was a bad follower. You see, bad followers hide behind their bad habits, bad attitudes, and blame the pastor and the church for everything. Oh, the church made me poor. No, you came in poor. No church can make you poor. You came in poor. In all humility, my prayer, number one prayer is that everyone that walks into the doors of this church, by the time they leave, they'll be better off than they came in. And that has always been the testimony. Hallelujah. When the anointing of God is present in a church, everyone that walks into the church or around the church is transformed. Say amen. Amen. Because the anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. The blind man said, once I was blind, but now I see You can never have an encounter, a genuine encounter with Jesus and remain the same. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. You cannot genuinely have a genuine encounter with Jesus and remain the same. Number five, the church must be a visionary center. Number five, the church must be a visionary center. Mark chapter eight from verse 22 to 25. I read the Bible says that. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and he begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. I should tell you that that environment was not conducive. It was a hostile environment. Can I say this? If the environment you are operating in is not conducive and it's hostile, it doesn't matter what you plant there. It will not germinate. That's why you have to look for an environment that is conducive. You can take a good seed, but if you plant it on a bad ground, it will not germinate. How many of you know that no matter how good a seed is, if you plant it on the Sahara Desert, nothing will happen. It will die. It's not the seed, it's the environment. That's why husbands and wives know the right environment to make requests. If you need something from your wife, Know the right time when she's in a good environment, when she's happy, like my baby is every time. She's happy every time. 
So when I put in a request, it comes back quick. If you're a husband and your wife never asks you, what would you like to eat today? You are, you are making requests in a bad environment. Your request always comes at the wrong time. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Okay, let me not go further. <laughs> so the Bible says that Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And that means if the church doesn't have a vision, we'll be led by the world. If you don't have a vision, people will take you by their hand and they will lead you where you don't even want to go. People will be giving you order. People you don't like at work will be giving you command. Sit here. Come to work early. Hey, hey. You might not like him, but he has a degree. You don't have the degree. If you don't get a vision, if you don't have a vision, the person who has a vision will lead you by hand. And most of the time, they'll take you where you don't want. Can I say something? Your job is not designed to make you rich. Your job is designed for you to come to work after every month or every day. That's why they'll never pay you more than you deserve. <laughs> they'll pay you small so when the money finish you'll come back for more that's why when it was time for the children of Israel to leave Pharaoh said I will not let God's people go but on the day where they were leaving the Bible says that they spoiled the Egyptians they left with the gold they left with silver all the 430 years of hard labor, they were rewarded in one day. I have come to prophesy to someone here that all the years of your hard labor, this week, there will be a one day of reward. I said there will be a one day of reward. Anyone that have cheated you in the past, they have abused you, they've taken what belongs to you this week. The God that I serve, the God of heaven, the God of vengeance, to whom vengeance belongs, he will show himself strong. He will show himself strong. He is the God of recompense. God will compensate you this week. 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 In the name of Jesus. Some of you work so hard, but you see nothing. Your life has become like a cycle. It's cyclical. It's like hand to mouth. That spirit of hand to mouth is broken today. I said it's broken today. In the name of Jesus. 
So the Bible says, verse 23 of Mark chapter 8, And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spat on his eyes, uh, this is Jesus, but let's put it, let's bring it in the local and make it relevant to us. When you don't have vision, people will spit in your face. They say, who are you? God forbid. They spit in your face. The way they talk to you, they see you as inferior. It's time to have a vision. It's time to go to the next level. I say it's time to go to the next level. We must never be satisfied with where we are. And there's nothing wrong in God for desiring for more. To be a blessing to the world. The Bible says that, and when he had led him with his hand out of the town, he spat on his eyes and put his hands on him, and he asked him, if you see anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. If your vision is distorted, it's as dangerous as having no vision. Dr. Otterbill puts it this way. He said, a blurred vision is equally as dangerous as having no vision. A blurred vision is equally as dangerous as having no vision. And you know the scriptures are clear. Where there is no vision, the people perish. What's your vision? What's your spiritual vision? What's your health vision? What's your financial vision? What's your educational vision? What's your knowledge vision? How many books do you want to read this year? How many books have you read so far? What's your vision? How many books do you want to read each week? What is your vision? Relationship-wise. When do you want to get married? Amen? Amen. You can't just be there forever and ever. Amen. Jesus is coming soon. If you are married, what's your vision? How many babies do you want to have? And say, hey, when we get there, we think about it. No. <laughs> Don't just think about it when you get there. You have to plan for them. If you don't plan for the baby, you say, oh, by accident. There is nothing like, there is no baby that's an accident. Every baby is planned for by God. What is your vision? You, you see, when you don't have a vision, you see men like trees. Your vision is bled. Everyone that comes around you, you want to cut them down. What is your vision? Verse 25, the Bible says, Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him to look up. And he was restored and he saw everyone clearly. Have you noticed that when it came to raising the dead, it was one touch. Jesus raised the dead one touch. Miracle of multiplied bread and fish, one touch. Every other miracle in the Bible was one touch. But when it came to the miracle of vision, it has to be twice. Do you know what that means? That means vision is more important than raising the dead from the grave. 
if I can give you a vision, there is nothing you cannot do or achieve in this world. Some of you will live here today and you write some big vision down. That vision will scare you. But God, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and give you the boldness and the strength to achieve that vision. So the church must be a visionary center. That when you come, you have no vision. But by the time you leave, you have a vision. You have a vision for your life. Can I tell you something? Everything I am, I learned it from the church. I learned how to read from the church. I learned how to talk from the church. I learned how to dress from the church. I learned how to relate to people from in the church. Everything I am, I learned it from the church. My university degree is from the church. So when you come to a church like this, it, may, it might not be screaming, shouting. The pastor might not be sweating or gallivanting from one chair to the other. But most important thing is, is what he's teaching. Is he in line with the word? Is he giving you a vision? The last but not the least, number six, is the church must be an empowerment center. Amen. Say a good amen. amen. The church must be an empowerment center. Matthew chapter 4 from verse 8 to 10. Matthew chapter 4 from verse 8 to 10. You know the scripture, the Bible says again, the devil talking about Jesus and the temptation, again the devil took him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, all these things I'll give unto thee, if thou shalt fall down and worship me. Look at that. That means... If we are not empowered by the church, the devil will empower us. If you are not empowered by God to live a sound, empowered life, the devil will give you the wrong power. The devil said, if you fall down, worship me. Then, verse 10, then Jesus said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. Amen? amen. Say a good amen. amen. So that means the church must be the place of empowerment. When we come, we have to be empowered. We are empowered to become all that God has ordained for us. And that's my prayer, that every time we gather, God will empower us. Amen. He will empower you for exploits. Amen. He will empower you for breakthrough. Amen. He will empower you for the things that the world have not seen yet. In the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. Did you receive it today? Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Some of you are not clapping. It's as if you didn't receive it. Did you receive it today? Let's rise up. 
Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293 Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Come and have an encounter with the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God at work in the life of Pastor Adama Segbeji this Sunday, 10 a.m. at Solution Chapel International, Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, RH10-8DS, or call 01293-885-000 for more information, or on the web at solutionchapel.org. Solution Chapel International, home of signs, wonders, and miracles.